What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I want to welcome you back to another episode. Today, we have the opportunity to think through the importance of our words and establish somewhat a theology of words. If you're new to the show, we've been going through different passages talking about what it genuinely means to be transformed. And today, I want to address the transformation of your heart that leads to the transformation of your words. Now, let's start big picture and establish your words and what those words represent in your life, the importance of them. You see, at times we can wrestle with our words because we know that our words are unkind or our words are sharp, or maybe they're just flat out rude. And uh, in a certain way, we're using lewd words to use a biblical term or words that are uh, corrupt. Uh, of course, those are curse words. Those are obvious, I think. Most of us aren't arguing for the benefit of curse words in our life, though, just to be realistic. Uh, but corrupting communication is something that is broader than cursing. Cursing would just be one aspect of that. Now, when you think through the negativity or you think through the sinfulness of your cursing, I, I want you to see that that's just one dynamic of corrupting communication. But corrupt communication, according to Ephesians 4.29, is rotten communication. It's communication that doesn't offer nutritional value. So now imagine you've gone apple picking and in the apple picking, you have good apples, apples that are healthy, you're going to eat, and then you have a few apples within that box or within your crate of apples that they're just kind of rotten, you know, that you didn't realize it. it looks like they have worms or they have this big dark spot on one side. That's what an unwholesome word is like. That's what rotten words are like. That they're, they're actually bad for you or they hurt in the end. So unwholesome communication, rotten communication, it can be something like your tone of voice. Uh, it can be in part your timing of when you're speaking. It can be the motivation behind your speech. So as you're noticing those things in your life, don't only go to, did I curse today? And obviously that could be an indicator of your communication, but are you using communication that's rotten? Communication that is just maybe filthy, unkind, lewd. And if so, what does that say about you? Now, here is why your words are important. And this is what I want to focus on in, in our current episode. Your words are important because they're often a tell or a revelation of what is happening inside of your heart. Now, biblically speaking, your words are not the main problem. Your words are a reflection of the problem. In marriage counseling, oftentimes I'll meet with couples and one of the problems that they would present is their marital communication is stalling. It's at a breakdown or just uh, flat out they don't communicate. It's kind of like a cold war happening. Well, the real issue is not that we need to work on communication skills. 
the real issue is what is preventing you from communicating or why are you not communicating or what is making your communication so poor? It's not just the words that you're saying, it's what's leading to those words. So grab your Bibles with me. Let's open them up to the Gospel of Matthew. One of the things I'd like you to get into the habit of as you're listening to this show is that you would keep a Bible nearby. Now, I know some of you are commuting and that's not realistic for you. But if you're not commuting, you're just sitting down in an office or you're sitting down at your house somewhere. I do want you to get in the habit of using your Bible. And I would prefer that you use your hard copy Bible, the same Bible that you're going to do your Bible study with. You'll find when you use that consistent Bible over time that it develops a familiarity that's hard to duplicate on an electronic device. So yes, I'll use my phone for varying things. I'll use my computer for varying things. But when I'm doing my Bible study or when I'm going to church, I'm going to use a hard copy Bible, not because I'm antiquated and I hate electricity, but because I really do want to learn the Bible and use that same Bible to continue to grow in familiarity. So go to Matthew in your hard copy Bible, if you can go to chapter 12 and let's look at verse 33 and following. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's some significant statement that by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Jesus doesn't underplay the role of your words. Jesus emphasizes the importance of your words. And he does so for a few reasons here packed within this certain passage. Well, first of all, he says that your words are reflective of what's happening within your heart. He's actually rebuking the religious leaders here because they're saying good things, verse 34, and yet they are in fact evil. Jesus is omniscient. He knows the hearts of man. So he knows what man is good, what man is evil, and he's able to discern the thoughts of the heart. And here he's able to see that the religious leaders are in fact evil, and yet they're offering these pleasantries. And, and then he offers this statement, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is a central component of understanding a theology of communication. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's taking place within your inner person, your heart, your immaterial heart, will come out in your communication. Now imagine that I'm holding a coffee cup in my hand. I wish I were holding a coffee cup in my hand, but imagine it's true. In that moment, if you were to come and bump into me and say, oh, Dr. Gifford, I am so sorry for bumping into you. Well, what you could expect to splash out of that cup would be what was in it already, which is coffee. So accidentally, I spill it onto the floor. Hey, I know it was an accident. Sorry, let me clean it up. Great, thank you. Now, you, when you bump into me and I'm holding a coffee cup, you would not expect that there would be dry powder. You would not expect that there would be orange juice. When 
you have something inside of the cup and you're bumped, what comes out of that is what was in the cup already. Your communication is a lot like that. Your communication is what comes out of what is there already. You know, when there are times that you're bumped, it probably looks like times of frustration. Uh, it looks like times where you're being treated poorly. Uh, think of the time when your boss comes to you at 4.30 and it's like, hey, do you mind staying late tonight? And you're like, oh, it's Friday. Jesus, help me. That's the moment when you're bumped. And on that moment, what you say is probably a best reflection of what's really happening in your heart. I'll joke about this with my students here at Masters, and I'd mean it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but there's truthfulness to it. If you really want to know what's happening in our hearts, then just get your phone, press record in your voice memos, and just follow us around all day, especially in the times when we're hungry and really sleepy. And when I'm really hungry and really sleepy, what begins to take place is my guard goes down just a little bit. And the things I'm saying in that moment is going to be indicative of what I really believe deep within my heart. And that's true for you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Jesus is emphasizing that if there's evil that's coming out, well, it's a reflection of the fact that there's evil within your heart. Or if there's good that's coming out, it's a reflection of the fact that there's good within your heart. Here is the first point that Jesus makes. It's that your heart is going to be the source of your words. Thus, your words are a reflection of what's happening in your heart. It's not appropriate for me to say, and I would even say not even accurate for me to say, I didn't mean that. When I say something unkind in a moment of tiredness and exhaustion, I do not have the biblical grounds to say, hey, I didn't mean that. I have the biblical grounds to say, I didn't mean to verbalize that. I didn't mean for that to get out. I didn't mean to say that. But yeah, that's what I really meant. That's what's going on in my heart, whether or not it's accurate, true, or inaccurate or not true. Like, whatever that is, that's really what's going on in my heart. And those are times where now I really know what's happening in my heart. So zoom back out with me for a second. Our communication, when it's corrupt, I started this episode by saying unwholesome communication, corrupt communication, rotten speech. When that is what we're struggling with, then the scarier reality that we have to face is that those words are a reflection of a heart that is rotten or corrupt or unwholesome. If my words are vile, then that reflects my heart being vile. We're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we'll finish this thought on what does Jesus have to say about the importance of our words. Masters University offers accredited undergrad, master's, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling. You can learn more about our in-person or online programs at masters.edu. Masters University also offers over 150 additional programs. Please visit our website to learn more or come and visit us. We would love to spend a day with you introducing you to Masters University. Are you struggling with anger, lust, 
OCD, anxiety, depression, or other issues, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors would love to walk alongside you, listen to your struggles, and walk with you to overcome those issues and to grow you more in Christ's likeness. We would love to be a part of that journey. To find a biblical counselor near you or via Zoom, please visit us at biblicalcounseling.com. Old habits die hard, but through the application of Scripture, change is possible. In his award-winning book, Dr. Gifford shows how heart motivations and godly practice are critical for growth in Christ. Available now at transformed.org. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been discussing the importance of your words when you're struggling with communication and you're struggling with maybe even corrupt communication to use the biblical term. What does that mean? Why is that important? Now, what I've said so far, if you're just joining us, is Matthew 12 offers a snapshot of the importance of your words. So if you're not there, go back to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says that your words are coming from somewhere and they're coming out of your heart. They're coming out of the immaterial aspect of who you are. Think of your heart as the control center of your inner person. Why do you do the things that you do? It comes from your heart. So your words are a reflection of what's happening in your heart. So I finished the last segment by saying, if you have corrupt communication, then you have a corrupt heart. If you're struggling with vile words, unkind words, mean words, then the reality is that you have a heart that is struggling with those things, and your words are just a reflection of that. Verse 35 of Matthew 12 says, The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. That's the reality. So if I really want to grow in such a way that my words are honoring to the Lord, I cannot just focus on my words. I also have to focus on this transformation of my inner person, of my heart, that the Lord would genuinely renew my inner person. And when my heart is transformed, the result will be that my words are transformed as well. When the Lord has transformed your heart so much that you think like Jesus, you have the mind of Jesus to use the Philippians 2 concept, that you are walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, when that's true of you, no one has to come to you and say, hey, stop using vile communication because you don't want to. You don't want to use communication that's vile. You want to honor the Lord from the level of your inner person, from your heart. So you want to worship him. And one of the ways that you're going to do that is through your words. So the, the first point that I'm hoping you're catching is that your words are important because they are a reflection of your heart. The second is verse 36 and following. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. 
Now, we don't come away from this passage with a wonky view of salvation as if there was an additional means of justification that Jesus is seeking to enumerate here. Rather, we see the importance of your words in that every little word that you use, you will give an account for. Think of the careless word that you speak. Careless words that you speak are probably rendered or given or you do those in the conversations with your closest, most trusted friends. Or maybe you're married as you listen to this. It's with your spouse and with your spouse in just a safe moment, an unguarded moment over dinner and the evening, or you're with a group of trusted friends and you just, you're just kind of letting it rip. Whatever is coming to your heart, that's what you're saying in that moment. Those are examples of your careless words. And Jesus says that on the day of judgment, you will give an account for even your careless words. My formal words, my careful words, are the words like these on this show, where I am trying my best to articulate the truths of the scripture to give them to you. My formal and careful words are when I'm out teaching or I'm in a public engagement and speaking. But my careless words are that it's that time where I'm with a friend that I trust and we can just talk about whatever's happening in our lives. That's my careless word. And I think the same is true for you. What is a better indicator of where your heart is at? Well, it's not that formal presentation that you're doing at work. You're very polished in that moment. Rather, a better example of where your heart is at is in your careless words. When you're unguarded, you're speaking with someone you believe to be safe, what do you say to them? Booyah, that is really what's happening in your heart. So Jesus says, every careless word is what I will hold you account to. So it's not only the formal times of communication, it's your careless words. Well, why does that matter? Because those careless words are going to be one of the best reflections of what's happening within your heart. And if those careless words are genuinely vile or unwholesome, to use the scripture's term, then that is where your heart is at. That's where anyone can be phony for 30 minutes while speaking in a formal capacity. Anybody can do that. But in your careless words, when those are generally wholesome, that is indicative of true and genuine transformation in your life. So verse 36 and 37 are establishing a second point that you'll give an account for your words, even your unguarded careless words. Now, before we say, hey, Jesus, wow, like, take it easy. I mean, I got pressures. I got kids. I didn't sleep. You know, like before we start to justify our careless words, I think we have to see the importance of our words and the seriousness with which Jesus is addressing them. Your words are so important because they're reflective of your heart. And the reason you're giving an account for every word, even careless words, is not because Jesus is wanting to standardize an English vocabulary for us, but rather Jesus is calling us to total transformation that even transforms our heart. And when it transforms our heart, Jesus is calling us to total transformation that transforms our words because our heart is transformed. When your heart is so pure, that even in the sleepy moments, the tired moments, the pressured moments of your day, you are still, when squeezed, you're still going to say pure things. Remember the coffee illustration I used from last segment? You bump into me with a pure filtered glass of Fiji water. Ooh, maybe we'll make it even fancier. We'll do like Voss water. Whoa. 
You bump into me with some pure fancy Voss water and what's going to come out is pure fancy Voss water. When you bump into me and my heart is so transformed that it's like Jesus, that no matter if I'm sleepy, no matter if I'm hungry, no matter if I'm a little irritated, the things that I'm going to say are going to be kind and wholesome words. Ephesians 4.29 This is the point. The point is that transformation starts at your heart, then moves to your words. So let's talk about a couple of practical things, and then in future episodes, I'd like to give you how-tos with cultivating biblical communication, everything from listening skills to when you speak, what you're actually attempting to accomplish in your speaking. But let me start with just this general theology of words. I encourage you as the listener to begin to just take note of the things that you're saying. What are you saying on a regular basis? I'm not asking you to be morbidly introspective or to offer a transcript of your conversation from every day. But when you begin to note the things, the typical things that you're saying, I think that you'll now see a pattern of what's happening in your heart. So let me give you an example of this in my own life. I don't know what it is, if it's my military background, if it's just a disposition that I was born with, but if I'm not careful, I can deviate towards being harsh in my words and not gentle. So that means that, uh, you know, think of like in the military where you just kind of have like this suck it up mentality, like, well, get over it, drive on, too bad, rah, rah, rah. In my military days, that worked perfectly because that, that was just kind of the environment. You know, you were just expected to be tough, to just suck it up and drive on. Great. Uh, but that doesn't work in communication with your spouse. It doesn't work in communication with your kids. In fact, that type of communication can be really hurtful. So one of the things that I have to be mindful of is that whenever I sense myself starting to be harsh or overly expectant in my communication, that's reflective of what's going on in my heart. I need to cultivate compassion at the level of my heart. But when you're listening for the patterns of communication that you have, we're not doing this to just do some type of brain exercise here. I want to know what's happening in my heart. And I'm encouraging you to start there as well. By listening and taking note of the things that you're saying, you're going to see partly what's happening in your heart. Do you struggle with angry words? Oh, hey, like newsflash, there might be anger that you're wrestling with within your heart. Do you struggle with embittered words? Words that are seasoned with a lack of grace, unlike Philippians, excuse me, Colossians 4, 6. Are you struggling with words that are lascivious or maybe perverted? Perverted communication from Ephesians 5. That's shameful what's being discussed in darkness. Is that what's happening? Um, if those are true of what you're saying, then here's the reality. Those are happening in your heart. So if I have angry words, hey, if I have bitter words, hey, if I have impure words, hey, check it out. I don't just need to repent of those words before the Lord. I need to be honest about what's taking place in my heart. So before I laugh at that joke that I just told that was a little unkind, or maybe it was perverted, before I laugh at that joke, I have to think, oh my goodness, what does that say about what's happening in my heart? If I'm just worried about not saying dirty jokes, then I'm missing the fact that that dirty joke is representative of my heart. And that's the real issue. Start 
with your words by just listening to what are the things that you're saying. And when you identify the things that you're saying, you're going to start to see what's really happening in your heart. Next episode, I'm going to do my best to begin to explain key ingredients of biblical communication. And we're going to start with our listening. So let me pray for you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Lord, we come to you as those that want hearts that are renewed. Would you search us and try us and see if there is any wicked way in us? May our words be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, because our heart is pure. For those that are listening to this podcast, I pray that you would bring about necessary conviction. There are some of us that really need to check our words because our words are reflective of the need for a pure heart. Our words are reflective of areas of Christ-likeness that we need to grow in. So make us effective for this task because you are the one that brings about transformation through the work of your spirit in our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Gifford. Would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you Transformed? We would love to produce even more programs that show how the Bible can straighten out our crooked thinking and conform us more to the image of Christ. But we can't do that without you. Your financial support will allow us to continue creating Transform to reveal how amazing grace is. If you're interested, you can do that at transformed.org.